Hello, everybody. This is Bill Cameron from The Drive. Podcasts of The Drive are presented by Southeastern Industrial Contractors, now hiring for great-paying skilled trade positions. Call 334-209-6355 to learn more. Thanks for listening. Everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Thursday edition of The Drive. Yeah, obviously, things a little different today. Jacob Goins, who, uh, who hosts On the Line, lost his voice today. And he's still looking for it. No, I mean, he lost his voice. Hope he's, hope he's feeling better. So that's why there was no on the line. And uh, I guess we had, a little, we had a little silence commemorating the fact that well, he Well, Jacob also voice. does the intro to the drive. A lot of people don't yeah, know Yeah, you didn't that. realize that's that. His that, voice. that, that yeah, that's, so he, he's really good at he voices. Does it, yeah, he does it live as soon as on the line is over. So because we don't have Jacob's voice, we also don't have the intro to today's show in a related story. No, nah, I mean, there are all, all, all kinds of things. It's, it's after <laughs> aftermath of the, the, yeah. the equipment couldn't handle it last night when the, uh, uh, when the Braves lost in Philly. Yeah. And we get, and we will have that as far as I know, unless. Yeah. That one is now it, it's been, uh, it's now a seven o'clock. Yes. Because it's seven the o'clock only... start since it's the only game left in the division series. Yeah. Cause there's not, there's not another uh, NLDS series going on anymore. Uh, so the uh, so the Braves and the Phillies and on TBS tonight uh, that game going to be uh, just after seven o'clock central right seven oh seven I think is first pitch we will have ESPN Radio's call of that right here on ESPN one oh six seven and ESPNAU.com. so you you can catch the uh, the ESPN Radio call of Braves Phillies Phillies looking to uh, defeat the Braves for the second consecutive year in the NLDS. And the thing is, it's it's more than a little eerie the way things have gone. It's it's like, well, it, it's deja vu, really. The oh, Braves have seen this before. Huh. Last year, I mean, the exact same pattern. And last night, I mean, the six-run third, just like in game three, the first game in Philadelphia last year. And once again, the Braves lose by eight. Last year, it was 9-1. This year it's ten two. What, what would you like? What would Bill Cameron's baseball postseason format look like? Like if you had no no consideration, I don't have a problem like, with this. I don't you, have you a like, problem you with like this, this one? format. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've heard a lot of complaints, obviously, from teams that are no longer in it. That it's not right for teams to have to play division foes in the division series. Well, then they ought to call it something other than division. See, series. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind if this round was also a seven. Um, but I think it's a lot. It's extra baseball, yeah. and, and you would probably need to get rid of the of the previous round, just so you're not overtaxing teams. And yeah, I, you know, I, 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 I think I think the three, then five, then seven is just fine. I, I don't I don't see a problem with it. I mean, if your team doesn't win, it's a shame. But um, but it's one, two, three strikes. You're out. That's right. <laughs> the old ball game. Yep. One two, one two, three, one two, three losses in your That's round, right. in this round. No, I mean, and, and the Dodgers. You know, it's it's the second straight year of just a, a disastrous postseason after mm-hmm. a uh, a dominant, not just a dominant regular season, but but a really dominant like second half of the regular season. The Dodgers right. again, the best team in baseball, if not uh, you know number one in, in the top two or three in August and September, and and you know this uh, to. to Go into the postseason, you know there there were questions about the starting lineup, right? Or the, the rotation. I mean, you knew that after Kershaw, it was rookies and Lance Lynn. Uh, but to to see the uh, the Dodgers outplayed in three straight games, yeah. um, you know, in 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 every facet of the uh, of the game, Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, they gave Freddie a hit. 
it, that was an error. That you know, the, the infield single that they, they I gave, didn't see that. Yeah, one. so oh. it's 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 his one. Oh, when was that? What game was I that? I think that was game two. But okay, it's the yeah, one. I didn't I did not see the one hit that Freddie and Freddie, Mookie had between. Freddie them. and Mookie were over. All right, that that shouldn't even have counted as a hit, and so it was a uh, yeah, just a a, a bad a bad postseason for those two guys and they'll they'll bounce back hopefully but not what the uh, not what the Dodgers are hoping for with the uh, with the superstars at the top of the lineup could be a busy uh, could be a busy offseason for the LA Dodgers as they uh, look to uh, restock and replenish but the offseason begins now yep. as the uh, as the Diamondbacks eliminate them last night uh, that is right. And what do you think of Arizona's chances against the winner of the series uh, fr- from the east They're hot right now and they've got two Really good starting pitchers. So whoever whoever it is, I mean, if it's the if it's the Phillies, then the Phillies have two really good starting pitchers they can count on. And Ranger Suarez pitched very well against the Braves, game one. We'll see what happens tonight. And, I do. And the kid I, and the kid was pretty good for the Diamondbacks last night. He only was two hits. He only was. two hits in four yeah, innings. That's which, what I mean. But uh, they have two proven guys, is what I'm saying. Which which is as good as anybody they're going to face. Either of the teams. That they would face in the National and League guys, Championship and Series. And some guys are going to swing the bat. I yes. mean, some, some you know, yes. the, the rookie of the year is is in that lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marte uh, has been has been swinging a hot bat. Moreno is a uh, is, is a guy with some pop. Yeah, they're so. lucky. The X-rays proving negative on him last night after the four home runs in one inning. I'd said something about it like Lance Lynn is a guy. It's it's he's either. I mean, you talk about Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. I mean, he's either pretty good. Or it's batting practice. It was the it's best, home run derby. It was the best outing of the three Dodger starters. Golly, the, yeah, the longest outing. It was the best yeah, the, of the three. They go, they go a total of five and two thirds oh. innings in three starts. Yeah, just just a uh, um, a, a a disappointing uh, three game postseason uh, for for the LA Dodgers, who looked like one of the top teams in baseball uh, going in. It has not been. Uh, I mean, you look around the standings, right, Bill? It has not been a good postseason for. The teams that were the best regular season no. teams. No, I mean in the Major Braves are the the Braves are the are the uh, the winningest team left, and you know you already have. Um, and they're one and two in this postseason. Yes, right? the Braves. The Braves. Are, you know, they're still alive. But uh, who, who are the who are the teams that won the most games in the regular season this year? The Astros. Dodgers. The Braves. Oh yeah, I mean the the, the Strohs are right now the. The, the other team than the Braves. But the Orioles won 100 games, The right? Orioles won 100. You had 300-win teams. Two are out, and the Braves are on the uh, brink the, of elimination. The Rays had a, had a tremendous yes, win-loss they record. They had, and they had a great start yeah, is what and, they had. And, and got and, – uh, and, yeah, not, not much of a finish. And so no, you're right. It, it's uh, – uh, no, just it's it's, and I don't think that's has to do with the format. It, I don't. No, I, and I don't I, either. And I like, you know what? I like the I like an inclusive format that's going to bring in you know five or six teams into the postseason. I'd love one that doesn't, but we're not going to you know we're getting no, away from. I mean, if you're going to do that, then you need to get back to. I mean, the, the the least thing you can do is get back to two divisions. Just have the division champs play, but that's not that's not gonna yeah, happen. or or, or just happen. or one through fifteen and have one versus two, you know, play a seven or something. But that's not going to happen. That the you know mm-hmm. the the numbers show that uh, bigger postseasons and more teams in the postseason are what audiences want. It's it's what the TV networks are paying for, and and that. Uh, it has to do with some of the changes we've seen in the baseball postseason. But, yeah, the Braves on the ropes tonight if they win. Game five in Truist on Saturday. And, man, that place would be going crazy. But I think we'll see two crazy environments tonight oh, you, you in will, Philly. You will tonight. And, hey, Phillies fans, you asked for it. Let's see what happens tonight. They want Strider. They're doing the tomahawk chop and all that. It's like they, they, were, they were so uh, upset about what Orlando Arcia said 
that Bryce was going to get them back. You don't think that uh, – I mean, look, there's plenty of emotion on both teams. I have no problem with, with any of that stuff, but it's just funny. I'm a little disappointed by Arcia's response. You know, Arcia seemingly what, mad. He wasn't seem- supposed to hear it? Yeah, mad that <laughs> mad that it was reported when it's like – I mean, and, and again, I'm, I don't want to get into like – clubhouse journalism ethics because i haven't covered a team in depth you have to know today that anything you say when there is anyone around sure is liable to be out there for everyone to hear yeah and i feel like i've heard that before when these things come up that that yeah when you say private when you say something in a locker room while while reporters are walking around you have to uh, you have to assume someone might might make note of it, even if you're not saying it uh, in response to a question. And so, and that's not you know that's not to encourage folks to eavesdrop on private conversations. But, no, but it was you know but it, it happens. It wasn't like one rogue reporter yeah. talked about this Arcia stuff, and it, and it led to a yeah. Bryce was uh, you know he, Bryce Bryce acknowledged he was looking right at right at Arcia right around. Oh yeah, he said I stared at him, stared right yeah. at him, so, stared right at yeah, him. Yeah, I think I think tonight should be tonight should be high stakes baseball. You know, a season is on the line for the team that was the odds-on favorite to win the World Series going into the postseason, the Atlanta Braves. And if they win tonight, uh, Game 5 on set. Would, would Game 5 be during Auburn LSU? Would we be having a, a, a yes, split-screen so. situation? So we could mm-hmm. have a, uh, we could, we could have a, uh, you know, a multi-screener on, uh, on, on Saturday night with Auburn LSU in Baton Rouge. Hey, and at, least, at least YouTube has finally gotten where you can, you can see they'll give you different sports. They won't let you choose. They won't let you choose the games. But the, no, they give I'm you. They sort of about yeah. They that. sort of set up the multi. The mul- yeah. maybe that's coming down the. You know, I hope. Maybe that's coming I down hope. the line. But uh, yeah. So if if the Braves win tonight, if the Braves can force a game five, that will be uh, that will be on Saturday in Truist. And they had uh, better force. I mean, yeah. I mean, the Phillies. The Phillies do not want to have to go back to Atlanta. Phillies better win it tonight if they're gonna if they're gonna win this thing. Braves slightly favored, understandable with with Strider. Oh, they should be the with Strider tonight. Yes, yeah, and so. and the Braves killed lefties this year. Suarez, that was something that I mean, he's had some success against the Braves, but that was the best he's pitched. And we'll see, we'll see how the uh, the Phillies and Braves handle this tonight because it's you know do or die for the Braves and the Phils are going to try to do anything to avoid going back to Atlanta. Game 5 yeah if necessary would be uh, would be Saturday and that game would start at 707 on uh, on, on TBS uh, Central Time. So I think you would have And and I think the AL doesn't the 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 ALCS start Sunday? I, I believe, believe it does. Su- sun- Sunday night on mm-hmm. Fox uh, Rangers at Astros. First time they've ever met in a playoff series which sounds fancier than the truth, which is that Houston was in the National League. That's right. Until until, until a few years ago, until a the couple Rangers, years and, ago. Yeah, and it's not like those two teams are going to the World Series a lot. No. In, in their respective no, right. histories, but it is the first time ever. Yeah. Uh, that, that the uh, that the Astros and the Rangers will meet uh, in, in the all postseason. All Texas Championship all, and, series. And yeah, and you've got one team that's been in the NLC at the ALCS every year since 2017. Mm-hmm. The last uh, the last time there was an ALCS without Houston, it featured. A Cleveland team that doesn't have the same name that that it has now. Uh, does it have any of the same? I mean, well, it may have. A, it's got a couple of players. Well, well Fra- Francona, who is retiring now, right. no, no longer the manager of, of Cleveland. And then I believe it, it was Toronto. I don't remember much about that. That's that's the Cleveland team that went on to lose to Drew's Cubs in the 2016 World Series. Uh, but the 
uh, yeah, so so the the Houston Astros a, a remarkable run of of, uh, of of playoff success in the American League these these last couple of years, and they look to go to the World Series again, uh, taking down the Texas Rangers, who are one of the great. I mean that, that that's a, I mean Texas had the was a fourth overall pick in the draft, like they were bad very recently. Mm-hmm. Like Texas, Texas well, was the Rangers and the and the O's both were, yeah. were really bad. Just. You know, and, just a short while back. And Baltimore relies largely on players they developed in-house. Mm-hmm. Texas does, too, to a degree. But they've also gone out and made some splashes in free agency, right? They went out and they signed uh, uh, Stroman, right? They signed uh, – or not, no, it was uh, – uh, it was who's the infielder? This, uh, Seager, and there's another one. Yeah, Corey Seager. And there, and there's, there was another one, right? The, uh, the, the one uh, – yeah, Marcus Simeon. Uh, and, and they also uh, they they went out and they got the big the you know made a couple splashes in their pitching rotations, so I mean this is this is a team that was trying to win right now and it paid off and we'll see if it gets them all the way to the World Series and maybe it gets them to the World Series, it won't end in disaster like it seems like it did the last couple of times the Texas Rangers uh, made it to the World Series but yeah that that'll be a great ALCS. All right, um, so if you're just tuning in, it's like yes we will talk some football. Just uh, catching little, everybody little up. Baseball preview, though. Oh yeah, it's, yeah. It's I mean, absolutely, because the Braves. I mean, the Braves. Uh, you know, have everything on the well, line. I, I think this to, evening, tonight, if even if you're the most casual of baseball fans, I would say tonight and Saturday. If if there's a you game, you want to watch. That's gonna yeah, they, yeah. These are these are two. It will be a wild atmosphere tonight, and I'm sure it will be. You know, if they're if a game. Five is required. That will be as well. You've got everything you could want in a, a Major League Baseball playoff game. Like you've got the stakes of elimination. You've got huge stars on both sides uh, of, of the lineup. You've mm-hmm. got uh, you, you've got like you said one of the great uh, an elimination game in Philly. Right is one of the great playoff atmospheres oh, yeah. you're going to have in a Major League Baseball situation. Th- those fans know what to do. And so yeah, I think this is a if you're on the fence about, you know, yeah, yeah. by, by all means, check out tonight's uh, Braves-Phillies game. All right, we're just underway. What's the uh, situation with, um, with Ferguson, Justin? Ferguson, I believe, can do a phoner in hour number two, maybe, maybe towards the bottom of the hour. We have Pascal at 5 o'clock. Right. So uh, I know he was there for Pro Day and some of the other stuff. You were there on Yeah, I, was, I, I went what, over what there. Um, well, yeah, that, that's why I was almost late. Yeah, I went over – uh, got to got to uh, be there with with uh, Bruce Pearl's comments to the media, then watch the uh, watch the players. Mostly, I got to watch them warm up, shoot around, and get ready to scrimmage, and then I left. And then I almost got here and realized I didn't have my phone, so I had to turn around and go back. And I was sitting next to uh, um, Auburn high coach Chris Brandt came in, and we'd been talking. Apparently, the phone came out of my pocket. Nobody had noticed it. I thought, oh, I wondered if someone had picked it up. You think, I got, you think Chris Brandt lifted it? No, 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 no. When okay. I got back over there, under the seat next to Chris, there was the phone. Yeah. I mean, it was. it's one of those things. It was uh, my first opportunity to sit for any period of time in the scholarship seats right there on the front row of, uh, of Neville Arena. So, I mean, it, it was great being there. And I, we can talk about, I'll talk about some of the, some of the things we saw there as they did a little semi-scrimmaging and then they were about to scrimmage. I can tell you how they were split up team-wise for the scrimmage. But, yeah, I had to run back, grab the phone, and, and then uh, come on in. So, so, yeah, Justin was over there. He was over there for the, uh, for the press conference. And 
Um, then and did stuck folks around get for to, a little did while. Did folks get to stay around for some of the scrimmage? Yeah, that, yeah, so yeah. That's everybody it. was was uh, the media, and then of course there were a few dignitaries. Did they deliberately schedule in. it during the show? Do you think that? No, was I like, don't think so. Was, yeah. If if I'd known, I mean, they started the scrimmaging right at three, right around three thirty. Sure. And they were only going to scrimmage for about twenty five minutes. So I got back over there okay. at about twelve till, and they were halfway through. Or oh, so, so, Ferguson, so yeah, I could have watched most of Ferguson it. Ferguson probably got to see a good chunk of that, and we'll and, and you know we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll yeah, talk we'll, to we'll, a, we'll talk to him. Maybe uh, he may have been in the upper, in the nether regions. Right, because I know I know he was there for when, when there's uh, there's footage of Janai Broom being interviewed. on yeah. pro day. Yeah, that was, was before Bruce. Okay, that was Janai, then Bruce, you then see, the, then you the can practice. see Justin in the video of that that they put yeah. on Imogen. We might run some of the Bruce audio here in hour number one since we don't have. Yeah. I've got, I've uh, got Justin. Yeah. Okay, I've yeah. got Bruce too. They've so. got, yeah, they've, they've, is it is it up now? They've got it on Imogen. Okay, yeah, good. They've got they've right. got Janai and, and Bruce. I don't know if anybody else talked to the media. Uh, no, that today, that was it. That they've, was they've, it. Got, they've got those two videos uploaded, so we, we might be able right. to run some of that. Yeah, so we'll talk that, and obviously football. We're just a couple of days away from uh, another big SEC weekend. Auburn. Traveling down to Baton Rouge to take on LSU. Did you say Baton Rouge? Yeah, we're, we're calling. Baton Rouge is calling us. We're not calling Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge is calling. We'll get to text when we come back here on the Thursday Drive. 382-7502 or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls, and let's get to the uh, – phones and tex is up first hey tex hey tex hey guys how you doing pretty good good i've got uh, a gamut of uh different topics that i want to try and get in but uh you know it's often i often hear callers say i don't know how tex can live in baton rouge and every year i do a tailgate party at in my off at my office uh for clients and friends and mm-hmm. uh, people that I know the Thursday before the Auburn LSU game, no matter where it's at. So we have a big tent in the back. We have a band. We have a guy that pulls his 24 foot trailer up and cooks and there's smoke in the air. And the Are you music. telling me it's over Tex? It's already over though. What the tailgate? Yeah. Well, it started at 11. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, so, <laughs> well, I'd lose my licenses if we had alcohol <laughs> or we would still be oh, there. Okay. So uh, I'm not allowed to have alcohol. Uh, so anyway, there's a lot of good people that live here is the reason that I live here. So I just thought uh, it was kind of uh, eye-opening. But I will tell you the thing that surprised me. Now, there were a couple former LSU players here. Uh, there were several LSU boosters mm-hmm. of uh, kind of middle level to mid-upper level. And – they almost all said the same thing. They're extremely worried about Saturday night. Well, because when you've got a defense, the, the, the defense that has been as porous as LSU's, mm-hmm. you've got to be concerned yep. every game. Yes. And the concern is, is how long can Daniels continue to play at the level he's playing at? And if you make a few mistakes, what like the what-ifs against Georgia, mm-hmm. you know, we, we get two other of those other turnovers, we probably win. But it's really interesting to see because, you know, Bill, we, you've been around people down here long enough. The, the, the average fan always thinks they're going to kill you, no matter what. They mm-hmm. never think they're going to lose. Oh, right. But I'm talking about people that played there, people that have been involved with the program for a long time. 
are somewhat cautious about. What do uh, they think the problem is, Tex, with the defense? It's not that there is; it's just completely empty talent-wise. Uh, they haven't had a defensive coach since the defense. They don't. Have, they haven't had a defensive line coach since the defensive line coach left in spring to go with Peyton, uh, where the whatever pro recent pro job uh, Sean Peyton took. They started out with a grad assistant, and they've had a couple other people. That's the reason they ran out and got Pete Jenkins to come in. Mm-hmm. And technique, fit, uh, execution at the defensive line, it's been bad. They thought the defensive line was going to be able to cover their weaknesses in the secondary, and I can't believe that. LSU people are telling me weaknesses in LSU secondary. That's been their oh that that they have been strength. they have been DBU. There's no yeah. question about yeah, that. I feel like they'd be on the short list so. of, of teams with the most NFL players in the secondary, like like right now. Like that that's that's been yeah. they've been a factory. But they have been torched. Yeah, their secondary has been torched. So, Although it's, it's worth pointing out, it's been torched because they get no pressure. Well, and and it's and it has been. I think Arkansas is the exception. It's been torched by teams that have put up numbers against other teams, too. Like Florida State and Ole Miss mm-hmm. and Missouri have been productive offensively, not just mm-hmm. against LSU. Arkansas mm-hmm. had the best game. Like, like the, the numbers, the striking thing would be like the, the difference between Arkansas's game against LSU and some of the other games they've had against Power 5 teams because that's, that's a game where, like, wow, Arkansas really, really productive against LSU, not – not necessarily in some other – I guess Ole Miss tapered off a Arkansas's little bit. Arkansas's offensive line has been a huge problem yep. for them all year, yeah. and that game against LSU, they didn't have the problem. And so that, that points and out what Texas is saying. that's very unusual for Arkansas. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> a, yeah, you would think Sam Pittman's going to have a good <laughs> offensive line. <laughs> yeah. So that that's coming from a couple former players and some people that uh, are involved in the program pretty actively. That uh, And they don't think – Although Pete's a great coach, they saw some differences this past weekend in Missouri, but they think Auburn runs the football way, way better than Missouri does, and that is one of their biggest fears, is our ability to control the clock, move down the field systematically, because their, their defensive line, the, the, they, they haven't graded out very well, although against Missouri it was slightly better. So that's why they think, and, and a couple of these guys are – quite often talking about lines and wanting to bet that's not something that i've ever done so but they're they're not they're not betting this game yeah and and that's interesting tex that's sort of i mean i i I still you know think it's going to be very difficult for auburn to win but if they can Mm -hmm. run the ball and control the clock that is the most uncomfortable feeling as a fan seeing another team just run and run and Mm -hmm. run the ball against you and this has been a series. Yeah. This has been a series of close games, especially lately. I think, yep. se- like the the only yep. the only time in the last eight meetings that the game finished as more than one score was when Auburn blew out LSU in twenty twenty. Every, I mean, the, the the recent games in this series have been extremely close. It's been about a decade of that. You had some more one sided games. Yep. Actually, you know, the, the games that weren't classics in like the Tuberville. Les Miles era were, were somewhat one-sided, but there were some really close games in that period too. Which which brings me uh, to a question I've been meaning to ask Tex. Like there there are some Auburn fans, I think especially younger ones, 
who think of LSU as one of Auburn's top rivals, I think because there have been high-stakes games in the 2000s and the 2010s featuring these two teams, they'll be really sad to see this rivalry go away when the SEC adjusts the schedule and gets rid of division play. Yeah, it's, got, it's not here next is, year. Is there is there a <laughs> feeling on the LSU side that there's there's a push to keep playing Auburn every year? Or I think of LSU as one of those programs where they've got quite a few rivals in this league. I mean, they've got quite a few, you know, historic – I mean, they've played Ole Miss every year since the 40s. and that's, Lord, not, that's not considered a rivalry. Ole Miss isn't? Even though they played a long time. Ole Miss is not. No. Their biggest rivals were Texas A&M, Alabama, and Auburn. And that feeling, they, that was a huge topic today uh, at our little party is discussion about what's it going to be like? When are we mm-hmm. going to play again? What are we going to do? Because of some of the crazy things that happened in this series, we are considered, they consider us one of their top two rivals, second to Alabama. So... Well, the the uh, the, the Ole, good news Ole is, Miss is below A and M. Yeah, the good news for both sides would be you're still going to get to see them twice every four years at the at the worst. Yeah, right. I mean it's it seems like we've we've right. broken down the you know the the pros and cons of like the mm-hmm. the three team nine nine game schedule you know with three permanent opponents or whatever. It'd be tough to give Auburn, Alabama, and Georgia and LSU right based on. Couple of factors, including LSU fairness, based yeah, on I mean, fairness, but, I would say, and and then I would think yeah. for LSU, it's tough to. I mean, there, there are going to be between Alabama and A and M, like you said, uh, Florida. I would think is Florida's going to fight that like crazy. But I mean, that that's another one they've been yep. playing every year for a, a long time in, in, in that series. There's LSU a, would like to fight that like crazy. Yeah, too. there's yeah, a there's a trophy in Even the Ar- I mean, there's a trophy in the Arkansas yeah. series. You know, there's a there's a boot right or something in that. So I don't know. That that's LSU is a team where if yeah. if the three permanent opponent thing happens, I don't expect Auburn to make the cut. I'd love to see like who ends up uh, you know being being LSU's draw. Yes. Okay, and then one last thing I want to get into is baseball. Have you ever seen four home runs in a row, which were actually five home runs in a row, or five balls leaving the park at the same, in the same at, in inning? No, no, I I, I never inning? heard of anything like that. That was. That was it's the craziest thing I've ever seen in baseball. That's that's remarkable. It is. Uh, well, that's why that, it had never happened in, before in postseason. Yeah. Well, I, is it ever happened in a regular season yes. game? Yes. It, it has happened in a regular yeah. season game. Now, did Lance gave them all up, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. Yes. That I don't. Well, I think it it happened a couple of years ago, and I'm trying to recall the pitcher who gave up four home runs in an inning. It doesn't happen very often, but it surely doesn't happen in games that mean an awful lot. Uh, you know, when it's a regular season game and, okay, the guy's getting racked, you may just leave, leave him in there and he'll give up a few homers in an inning because it's just a game. The Red Sox uh, for, hit four straight home runs in a game against the Yankees yes, in they 2007. Did. Yes, they Chase did. Wright was making his second career start as a major leaguer. How, how many more and did he make? I don't know. but <laughs> All right, so one last thing. Uh, the Astros made a run with uh, somebody that I have a relationship with as the pitching coach. Who is now he, the pitching coach the, of another team that's in the playoffs. Of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Yeah, that's right. Have you noticed how they pitch? It is so eerily a, a reminiscent of the way that the Astros guys were pitching 
Well, and still, you know, if it works, that way, if it, uh, you know. it, and so uh, I'm going to give Stromy all the credit in the world because it's the Diamondbacks, but their guys, they got some dudes, and they pitch with explosive velocity. You know, when it comes out of the hand and it just jumps at you. So, and multiple pitches for strikes. So, want to give him a little oh, yeah. shout out. You're right. And I, I sent him a text last night and I said, How'd you get so good at pitching, being a pitching coach? And he goes, Because I've been doing it for 50 years. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. It's not that many, but he's been doing it a while. He's long been time. doing it in a while. So, yes, he has. All right, guys. Hey, I appreciate the time. All right. Good hearing from you, Tex. Last, uh, last summer. Uh, for Cardinals, uh, I no, thought it happened sometime. Arenado, Nolan ago. Gorman, uh, Juan Yepes, and Dylan Carlson uh, hit four home runs uh, in a row uh, in the first inning of a game against the Phillies. Kyle Gibson gave up all four of those home runs. That had never happened in the first inning of a major league game before. Four home runs uh, in a row and four consecutive at bats. How bad? How bad? Two would, outs, by the how way. How bad would it suck if how you were like gone to the concession stands? You're you're in line at the concession stands and four straight home runs are hit. Yeah, and you missed that. He got the first two batters out. Almost, uh, they just sing, single to single to Goldschmidt and then four straight home runs. Man. That's a tough tough first inning. Yep, yep, it is. Hey, all right. So your your comment, your uh, question to Tex brought up something. I thought it was interesting this morning. Uh, I'm listening to a conversation and it was broken down a little bit better. Well, I'll, I'll toss this out, though, and we'll, we'll see what people think. Because it was about what's the difference in a rivalry in a big game. And what was used as a description of this is, are you glad, happy, or cheer when that other team loses? If not, then it's not a rivalry. Hmm. And you know what? That makes a lot of sense. Because if it's, if it's a rivalry, you want that team to lose every time they go out there, I know an awful lot of Auburn. I know a lot of Auburn people that oh, they don't mind LSU winning. See, but I've I've always, and I guess it comes from but, like, but they don't want Alabama to win. They don't yeah, want Georgia to win. No, and and I get that. Like I get having programs that you actively root against. I've always sort of subscribed to the thought that like. You want the team you play to be as good as possible, so it matters when you beat them. Nah, like you, you want them I subscribe to, be, to that. Sure. I want that team that I want that team that that is my rival to suck so as bad hold, as they can. Do you hold so LSU, I can just embarrass them. You hold LSU in a different regard than Bama and Georgia, yeah, then don't I do. you? I mean, yeah, I do. All right, we, we'd love your thoughts. Anything you want to talk about sports wise, we need to get to our bottom of the hour break. We're way behind here on the Thursday Drive. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back in. Final segment of hour number one here on the Thursday Drive with Bill and Dan. Again, uh, the number to get you through, 334-321-1390. You can also text the show, 334 334- Five six four eighteen forty on the drive text box presented by our friends at Southeastern Industrial Contractors. They also sponsor the podcast. Available however you listen to podcasts. Yeah, it's uh, pretty much what whatever direction you'd like to go. But look, but obviously we are getting close to the weekend. Auburn practicing. I mean, they're as a matter of fact, they're they're uh, going to be heading to Baton Rouge tomorrow. I mean, so the practices have pretty much. Uh, gotten down to light work today. And I, and I would acknowledge, I mean, LSU has, uh, 
you know, they, they have a, a team you know, that they're favored for a reason. And, um, you know, the game's in Baton Rouge, so it's, it's a tall task for Auburn. Winnable. Uh, I mean, I think if things, if Auburn, if things if Auburn break can right, find some pass offense, yeah, if things, if things to to just keep LSU from stacking eight nine guys in the box to stop the run, yes, I think it is. I mean, I think that and the, these two teams have a history of playing each other very close. Auburn has played well defensively of late against some very talented teams. Is this? I mean, is the best offense Auburn? By the numbers, the I best think offense it's probably Auburn's. the best offense that Auburn, the most explosive offense yeah. that Auburn will play. And and this Daniels year. and Daniels is playing at such a high level. Oh, he is. It, He's averaging you know 400 yards total offense I, himself. I looked at the uh, so that Mississippi State game, Bill, that Auburn that the that, that LSU it's it's their their most impressive mm-hmm. performance in conference. So State held just about 200 yards in that game. State and that game was in Starkville. That game, State. First play of the game gets a first down. The next five, uh, they, they go three and out after that first down. Their next four drives, three and outs. Did you watch any of that game? Saw, saw a little I bit. I watched yeah. it from the beginning, and I wondered, what is Mississippi State, what is Zach Arnett thinking? It's like LSU has been prone to the pass, and they didn't want to. They were trying it, to establish a run game. It looked game. like yeah. they did not want to try to test the LSU secondary. They wanted to establish that they were going to be dominant up front. Yeah, running running early and often, it did not work. And they, no, and they not found at all. It was 24 nothing before before State got on the board in that game. Auburn cannot mm. afford to go three and out no. a couple of times Auburn early. can't afford to get a couple of scores down. No, I, I think this is, a, this is a game where it's imperative that you, you, know, you keep it. The longer, the longer it's close and the longer Auburn is leading, uh, the more uncomfortable things will be for LSU. But if LSU can get a score or two up uh, and, and start to really start to roll. I thought about 20 years ago, Auburn went to uh, Baton Rouge, 03. And that was after Auburn started the season 0-2. And, and they were starting to figure things out. They'd, they'd won a couple of games after that 0-2 start. Yeah. They go to Baton Rouge, a couple of special teams errors, big offensive play for LSU, and a game that felt like it could be close becomes... 17 nothing, 20 to nothing. I think LSU ends up winning that one 31-7. But that that is and LSU wins the national championship that year 2003. I mean Auburn cannot afford special teams miscues that give LSU No, and that's something that you you feel pretty good about. What they can't do is they can't have a problem in the return game. And you know, we we still I guess Coy Moore is is now the the punt returner. Former, former LSU, LSU former LSU Tiger Coy Moore going to going to come back to Baton Rouge. Likely as Auburn's starting punt returner, maybe if Vars got a clean bill of health, that they think about making that uh, that switch. But I, I would think that Coy Moore is uh, is that guy going into. Uh, but you know what? We might hear more about that on Tiger Talk. We could, which is coming up tonight, right after the drive over on Wings ninety four three. We've got our top of the hour break. Got to get to Spectre. Hang on, we'll get to you. Then we'll talk with David Pascal from Chattanooga as we continue with hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Network Production. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. 
The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls here on this Thursday. Hope everybody doing well. Uh, had a little little rain, which we needed. It's still overcast, and I think we're going to get some more rain tomorrow. Um, may get a little more rain over the weekend, but, you know, uh, that's just sort of the way it is sometimes as we, as we approach the, uh, the late, late months of the year, November, December. It seems like uh, wet and cold is what it's sort of what we have. But uh, welcome in to hour number two of the Thursday Drive. Let's get to the phones before we get to our special guest because Spectre has been hanging on since the end of last hour. Hey, Spectre, how you doing today? Hey, Spectre. I'm good, Bill, Dan. Uh, I heard Texas call, and um, I understand there's some LSU fans that are quite worried. But, uh, you know, we have a better offensive line this year, and Robbie Ashford put up 337 yards last year. So I expect a pretty good offensive production this year. You know, what do you guys? It, it's hard to expect it when you haven't had a lot of offense thus far, but I sort of have a feeling that Auburn's going to be better offensively for a couple of reasons. One, the, the fact that LSU has, has had problems defensively. It's their fifth straight game. They haven't had an open date. Auburn's coming off an open date. Hopefully they've been able to uh, get in there and figure some things that they can do that that will work and give, you know, take the pressure off of the running game. So I wouldn't be shocked if Auburn has one of its, if not its best offensive game Saturday. Yeah, it might even be somewhat of a shootout. Maybe, maybe high 20s, low 30s. Auburn but probably is- doesn't need it to get much higher than that, I can tell you. Yeah, let, let me, uh, you know, Tex never mentioned who he thought, what he thought the outcome might be. No, I mean, uh, he, he, he generally doesn't give an awful lot of picks. I think, I think everybody with Auburn is, is probably very cautious when you're playing teams that, uh, that have the explosive, you know, ability that like LSU does. Yeah, you're right. Uh, well, okay. I know you got a guest coming up, so I'll let you guys go. Good hearing from you, Spectre. Yeah, we, we will get back to your calls in a little while. Worth pointing out, too, not to not to discredit, because Robbie Ashford did indeed throw for all those yards yeah. against, against LSU last year. A lot of them were, if you remember, Auburn jumped out of that 17-0 lead, and Auburn had a couple of drives, including a 99-yard drive really early in that right. game. Yeah. LSU, big, big pass to Javarius, if I, if I recall correctly. LSU adjusted. Auburn did not score in the second half mm-hmm. of that game. Ashford had uh, four fumbles, one of them lost, and threw a, a late interception. Uh, so I mean, but but maybe I mean Auburn did. It was it was early in that game. Auburn had a lot of I mean multiple big plays. Javarius had a oh, long yeah. touchdown. Uh, Jarquez had a sixty-plus yard catch. Mm-hmm. Like Auburn was moving the football through the air. A couple of the better drives of Robbie Ashford's career happened early in that LSU game. Uh, Auburn as a team could not sustain it last year at Jordan Hare. Jaden Daniels. Only he was like eight for twenty, if I'm only not mistaken. 80, only eighty yards passing in the that worst game. game of his his worst game as a passer at LSU, I believe. Yeah, and now he's and now he has Burrow esque numbers right. a, uh, a a year later. 
Yeah, so you can't count on just because something happened last year. I mean, you'd hope. Yeah. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe uh, uh, you know, Braves fans didn't think they'd see something like what they're seeing two years in a row. Well, maybe, maybe maybe we'll see something similar. As I crazy as that, like maybe LSU's defense is what this Auburn offense needs to see right now. It's just, you know, those are famous last words. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, we will get to the phones as uh, it's time now for us to welcome in our regular Thursday guest here in the uh, second hour. That, of course, is David Pascal from the Chattanooga Times Free Press and ESPN Chattanooga. David, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. I hope you guys are doing well. Yeah, we are. I mean, it's uh, uh, it's it's been you know an interesting week to be able to sit back and watch everybody else and and hope that uh, you know hope that Auburn can heal up and and find some passing game as they go down to Baton Rouge this weekend. Yeah, it's weird with the way to, it's kind of a quirky deal when you think about Auburn, Tennessee, and South Carolina have played five games. Vanderbilt's getting ready to play its eighth. <laughs> Wow, that is right. Yeah, well, I mean the the staggered the staggered open dates and everything is is uh, is interesting as as we go along. Vandy's Vandy gets to play. Uh, get, excuse me, Vandy gets to have two open dates because of that right. uh, because of that early game. Yes, and uh, it can't come soon enough with Georgia coming up. But you know, and speaking of open dates, I mean, you just think about. Uh, Auburn's, I mean, you know, in between hosting Georgia and traveling to Baton Rouge, I mean, that's, you know, hope, hopefully Auburn's rested and all that because that's as, as, that's as tough of a – it seems like Auburn usually gets an open date like around the, one of the Mississippis or Arkansas. I know two years ago uh, they really put it to good use and beat Ole Miss, and that was kind of the, you know, high-water mark of the Harson era when they were like 6-2 and two and mm-hmm. – 12th in the country because they never won again after that. But, of course, another one of the high-water marks in the Harson era was winning in Baton Rouge. Yeah, the first time Auburn's done that since 1999. The only time they've done that since 99. So, Auburn um, looking to see if they can do it two times in a row. Boy, I don't like the matchup, to be frank with you, uh, David. I mean, just this this LSU offense is so explosive, although they're, like last caller was saying, and and Dan was saying maybe this LSU defense is the uh, uh, is the answer to Auburn's offensive woes. Yeah, and I, I do think I do think there can be a historical element like you were talking about. And yeah, I sure hope the Braves buck that historical element tonight because <laughs> that's going way too close to last year's yeah, no kidding. NL, NLDS. But um, you know, you think about Auburn the, the Burrow year that they were just lighting everybody up, and, and Auburn played them within twenty three twenty. I mean, Auburn played the LSU their toughest, gave LSU their toughest game of that national championship season. Uh, you know, like you were mentioning last year, uh, Jaden Daniels did not play well. I mean, I just think it's as simple of the higher scoring LSU Auburn gets in Baton Rouge, the more trouble Auburn's in. I mean, if Auburn can keep it in the twenties. They've got a shot. If that thing starts getting in the thirties, I don't. I don't know if Auburn can keep pace. Yeah. And what What can you uh, What can you say about this LSU offense and the way? Because I think people are focusing on the offensive or the, the defensive problems LSU has had. But I mean, Jaden Daniels and company, especially when you think about the, the way they struggled at Jordan Hare last year, like they they look like one of the most explosive offenses in all of college football. I think Daniels is either second or third. In passing yardage, uh, Carson Beck is just behind him in those uh, in, in in that uh, statistic. 
uh, right now in college football. But I mean, this LSU offense has been uh, – th- they've been a tough matchup for anybody. Yeah, and you look at – I mean, it's it's in a historical season. You think about a stat like efficiency rating, and, and, and we didn't pay attention to efficiency rating back in the 80s. You just didn't hear about that stat a whole lot. And now – Jaden Daniels is challenging for the SEC's all-time record. And, of course, they've all been set recently. Uh, you know, Mac Jones set it in 2020, breaking Burroughs' record, uh, who beat Tua's record. And so Jaden Daniels has the highest efficiency rating uh, since then. But not only, to your point, Dan, not only is he efficient, it's just uh, he's a total offense machine the way he can run the ball, too. So, I mean, he's a fifth-year guy that's just – seen a lot been through a lot and and he's he's obviously reaping those results i mean he is having a fantastic fantastic year but the only concern that i've heard from some lsu folks is they feel like he uh he exposes himself i mean he he runs so straight up but he doesn't shy away always from contact and he took a couple of big hits Last week in that Missouri game, the first one, I was really surprised he was able to come back, especially as quickly as he did, and and made a couple of spectacular plays after that. But I, you know, you just have to wonder, you know, how, how is he feeling? How was he feeling the day after, and how is he feeling, you know, five or six days later? No, you're exactly right. He took a couple of those hits where I was like, whoa, and and you know, those coaches are like, you do not need to do that. Um, but yeah, I don't, you know, I, I, I guess everything's been okay. I, you know, I haven't heard any rumblings mm-hmm. or anything about his health this week down in Baton Rouge. But yeah, I mean, that's 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 one way for Auburn. To, you know, you don't root for injury at all, but that's one way. If he exposes himself in the wrong way and and Auburn levels him, then all of a sudden, I mean, you see, I guess what Garrett Nussmeyer would be next. Oh yeah. And, uh, you know, I, you know, Auburn's already probably experienced the easiest transition i mean when you think about going from connor wagman to to max johnson at texas a&m i mean that's about as smooth of a quarterback transition as you can have uh you know daniels to nussmeyer nussmeyer does have experience but he's no getting daniels obviously oh no no kidding we'll talk a little more about that want to get your thoughts on some of the games another weekend where uh sec teams are playing sec you've got uh the i guess the mississippi schools are the only ones that are off this week everybody else matched up and there there's some interesting games um let's go ahead and start with one that that I'm really intrigued by and that's uh, Tennessee Texas A&M these two teams if they want to stay in the in the race for their divisions then they don't need to be uh, they don't they don't need to lose this week and Tennessee Tennessee's got Alabama next week A&M just coming off that Alabama loss. I'm wondering what is going to be the biggest uh, detractor having Texas A&M having just played and lost at home to Alabama or Tennessee trying to avoid looking ahead next week to the Tide? I think the biggest, I think the intangibles like you're talking about, I think they overwhelmingly favor Tennessee. Mm -hmm. Tennessee's coming off its open date. Uh, Heifel's got a good track record after open dates. Tennessee played its best game of the year last year after an open date when they beat LSU 40-13 to in Baton Rouge. Uh, you've got Texas A&M, you know, having just played Bama, which is arguably their biggest game of the year. They led 17-10 to at halftime and let it get away. So I think, 
you know, Tennessee's won 12 in a row at Neyland. Texas A&M's lost seven true road games in a row. So I think the intangibles are overwhelmingly with Tennessee. My biggest concern with Tennessee is they're playing their first big game without Brew McCoy, and he was their by far their most physical receiver. He's the only one on that roster that has that 6'3", 220-pound build at receiver. And, you know, Tennessee, the way they like to get the ball out quick, throw those uh, passes to the sideline, the way they line those receivers out there and, and, you know, use those early passes to try to set up the road, you know, run game after stretching out the defense east and west. Uh, McCoy was easily their most physical perimeter player. And you think about Tennessee last year, one of the reasons they were so successful is you had both Cedric Tillman and Brew McCoy, who were in that 6-3-2-20 range. You know, Cedric Tillman's with the Browns now. Now you've got McCoy out for the year with a dislocated and fractured ankle. Tennessee doesn't have any other receivers that are that physical. So that is definitely something to look for. That's You know, they've had the open date. They've had some time to get some of those younger receivers ready for that. But that's a huge element to this game. Can their perimeter blocking be as strong as it's been? Because that's been a huge part of that tempo and the success Heifel's had offensively. Yeah, it's striking how you have three games this week featuring Georgia, Alabama, and LSU uh, where where those teams are favored by uh, multiple scores. And then you have three games that feel like uh, relative toss-ups in the conference. You were just talking about Texas A&M going to Knoxville. How about Florida, South Carolina? In Columbia, uh, you know, uh, Billy Napier would have some more splaining to do uh, if, uh, if if the Gators come back from Columbia with a loss, especially considering how that was you know, one of the bright spots last year was the way they dominated South Carolina when these two teams squared off. Yeah, and I mean, that, that was the – South Carolina's only points in that game were off a fake punt. They lost 38-6, and then the next week, because I was there, I witnessed them scoring 63 points when they knocked Tennessee out of the uh, playoff picture. But, you know, I'm kind of treating this with the same logic we just talked about with Tennessee-Texas A&M. You've got South Carolina's the team coming off the open yep. date. They've been able to heal up, and Florida has lost 13 of their last 14 games away from the Swamp. So, you know, Williams-Brice can be a very tough place to play. I don't see how you can't like – South Carolina just by a little bit in this game. I, I don't. I don't. I'd be shocked if South Carolina blew them out. But I just think with the intangibles, I I, I feel more comfortable betting on you know, or, or if I had to bet, uh, putting the money on the on the Gamecocks in this one. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I like I like South Carolina having the open date. Florida, you know, doesn't have their open date until next week. Exactly, and so I mean. Well, go ahead. I think that's a huge advantage. No, I was just going to say, I, I agree. I think I think open dates this time of year can really uh, help you out. And, and, and again, I, not that Florida, you know, they did some good things against Vanderbilt last week. But, I mean, they've got to show they can play well on the road because it really has started to become a, a Jekyll and Hyde deal. I mean, I saw mm-hmm. them at their very best when they knocked off Tennessee. But, I mean, you know, to watch them at Kentucky – was just absolutely shocking how how they just got steamrolled so, by Ray Davis. So we have we have a bowl eligible team in the SEC. Georgia is six and zero. Alabama is five and one. They will play at eleven a.m. against Arkansas. Uh, they're they're a three touchdown favorite in that game at home. But I think that may be a little <laughs> much, just because I mean I mean I think Alabama is very proud of what they did last week and and rightfully so against A and M. And they've got Tennessee next week. I, I just 
I just feel like Arkansas, they've been playing well enough to hang in there, but not well enough to win. I just I think that 21-22 is an awful lot of points. Arkansas hasn't been getting blown out no. in these games. I mean, A&M started to pull away. Uh, there at the end, Arkansas only had 175 yards in, in that game against uh, against A&M. But I mean, what do you, what do you think, David? Do you think do you think this game could be uh, close late, or do you think the wheels are starting to fall off of the uh, uh, the Razorbacks? Yeah, I think the Razorbacks are getting beat up more and more each week. I think KJ Jefferson's getting beat up more and more each week. The fact that they just cannot – it's so wild to have Sam Pittman as your coach who for just years has recruited these gigantic road-grading offensive linemen, and they just cannot run the football. And so you've got K.J. Jefferson getting sacked all the time. I love the stat that Nick Saban at Alabama is 26-0 and in the noon hour because you think about it, <laughs> he's got all their big games are CBS, and if they're not CBS, they're on ESPN – and so when Alabama's playing at noon, it's usually like UT Chattanooga later in the year in uh, and, and a game like this. But it is kind of, you know, I get Arkansas, to me, they are better than a team that's about to be two and five. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, to your point, though, I mean, I just think when it's all said and done, uh, I think Alabama is really getting better defensively. You had the you had the game where they had their pants pulled down against Texas at home, but they have been very good. I mean, to hold Texas A&M to 103 second-half yards and only 15 on the ground, uh, they've already matched their interception total from last year. They're starting to do some really good things defensively. So, I mean, I, no, I do not see this being close in the fourth quarter. Uh, I mean, I think this is either going to be – you know, I know. I think 21 is a good number because I think it'll either be like 17 with the potential of being like 27 as well. So I just do not see this thing being a, a, a an intriguing game in the fourth quarter. How, how you know how safe is Sam Pittman if they get blown out here and and they could lose? I mean, they're not done losing. Um, I mean, they, they've still got a couple of more very losable ball games. Um, you know how safe how safe is is Sam? I think he's safe just because I mean we know how Chad Morris left that program. I mean they they went two years without winning a league game period, and I mean he is twenty one and twenty one. But part of that record is misleading because his entire first year he played nothing but league games in COVID. You know, and, and I actually thought he'd go zero and ten, and he went three and seven that first year. But, yes, it, it is a problem when you go 9-4 and four that second year mm-hmm. and you haven't come close to matching that. And, and so his 21-21 and 21 record is, is going in the wrong direction. Um, but, no, I, I don't see a way in the world they get rid of him this year. That said, next year becomes a make-or-break make year for him. The reason I brought up the bowl eligibility thing is because the winner of Missouri-Kentucky will join the club of six-win SEC teams. That game That's at a night, really interesting game. Yeah, Kentucky, a slight favorite at home. Uh, what, what, what are you thinking in Lexington, uh, David? I like Kentucky, and I'm, I apologize if you heard some cops uh, go by, but uh, always fun sound effects. But, no, uh, I like Kentucky at home in this game. I think uh, – Stoops has a way of bouncing back. You know, you had the deal where they got clobbered Saturday night in Athens, and then you had his deal on the Monday night talk show, which was kind of embarrassing for him when a caller said, you know, you've only beaten two SEC teams that finished with a winning league record. And he's like, well, I don't think you've got that stat correct. And the caller actually did. 
have the stat correct. Um, but no, I that wasn't you, was it, David? No, it was not. It was not me. I, I make sure my Monday nights are not listening to uh, the Mark Stoops. Got to be, got to be, got to be highly embarrassing when a coach corrects somebody at a press conference about a stat, and then it turns out that stat is correct. Right? We, <laughs> no, nothing, nothing like that would ever happen around here, right, Bill? Yeah, no. <laughs> but no, I, I when in doubt, I like Kentucky and Lexington and these type of games, and. Uh, you know, even though I mean, if you had to, if you had to take the quarterback, I mean, you've seen more out of Brady Cook than you have Devin Leary. Um, I just, I, I think Kentucky's defense will rise to the occasion, and, and it will be Kentucky that is bowl eligible this time a week from now. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised there, but I think this will be a fun. I think it'll be a fun game, a tight game to watch. Agreed. Uh, and 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 Georgia, Georgia Vandy, Georgia. Okay, I don't doesn't doesn't really matter. I mean, Vandy's better. Oof. Georgia, Georgia looks like uh, they, they were determined last week to show that, hey, we're not just uh, – uh, they weren't messing around there in the first quarter last week against the Cats. Yeah, this Georgia-Vanderbilt the last two years have been 117 to nothing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it'll be that bad again. You know, for the longest time, I, I do think there was some – and I don't want to say venom, but if you remember in 2020, back to the COVID year, uh, Vanderbilt had like – you know, by by December, you know, because those games spilled into December that year, they were sitting there with about 50 players. And so they hosted Tennessee uh, for their little senior day deal, and Tennessee clobbered them 42-17, and that was a terrible 3-7 and seven Jeremy Pruitt team. Uh, but Georgia, I mean, yeah, Vanderbilt was supposed to close that year at Georgia and canceled. Mm-hmm. And so Georgia never got to do a senior day thing. And I think that actually did tick a lot of Georgia people off. And so I think that has played a role in why these last two years have been so brutal. I think that's worn out now. But that is your typical example of uh, how Georgia faces much stiffer competition during the week than on a Saturday like this Saturday. I'll never forget two, two years ago when they won 62 to nothing. They were interviewing Jordan Davis, and, and the SEC Network reporter asked him a question and he said, you may want to find somebody else that could talk more about that. I only got in nine snaps. <laughs> yeah, well that's, yeah that, 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 that's pretty telling. David, before, uh, before we let you go, I mean, what are your thoughts on Auburn-LSU? I mean, LSU, a about 11 or 12-point favorite. Yeah, and I actually think that's a good number. I do think Auburn's defense, um, like they typically, like we said when we started talking about this game, Auburn typically holds LSU under its scoring average. I think that I think you can count on that happening again. My biggest thing is can Auburn keep pace? I think LSU's defense uh, has been getting mocked all year, but they finally started. I don't, I don't know if it's a turning a corner thing, but I think they got some confidence in how they gave up 22 points quickly against Missouri, but then played much better the rest of the way. Um, I just see it kind of being on that number. I, th- I think LSU kind of scores one of those fourth-quarter touchdowns to put Auburn away, and I could kind of see it being in that 34-23 type of deal where it is like 11 points or 34-24 and it's 10. Uh, I just think, again, I think, like I said at the very top, I think the higher scoring this game gets, the more Auburn's going to be in trouble. Where are you going to be this weekend? I will be at the big CBS Texas A&M Tennessee game. So that's, right. I will be up in Knoxville for that one. Well, that's good. David, it's always great to spend a little time with you. Let everybody know how they can follow everything you do. Yeah, 
that. Timesfreepress.com for the articles and ESPNChattanooga.com for the radio. All right, David. Thanks again. Have a great weekend. Appreciate it, David. All right. You and Dan have a great weekend, too. Take care. We'll get to our next break. Love for you to join in as we continue here on the Thursday Drive. ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Our thanks to David Pascal joining us from Chattanooga as he does uh, each week. Uh, we've mentioned that we have the Braves and the Phillies. Pre-game will start at 6.30 tonight. And the first pitch will be at 7.07 right here on ESPN 106.7. Oh, my goodness. I guess it's time for our bottom of the hour break. I didn't know it auto-fired. I thought we could push that back. Are they, are they telling us to stop taking well, I guess they're saying, don't get behind right. like you do all the well, time. I think, I think we're going to have Ferguson right. when we come back. Well, and, and a, a reminder, Tiger Talk coming up over on Wings 94.3. That at 6 o'clock this evening. So with that, we'll get to our bottom of the hour break. Stick with us for the final half hour of the Thursday Drive. On ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into the drive. Final 25 minutes here on this Thursday afternoon. Bill and Dan, we're going to be checking in with uh, Justin Ferguson from the uh, Auburn Observer uh, here momentarily. We'll get his thoughts as Auburn gets ready to take on LSU. And he was over there at Auburn basketball practice pro day today. Yeah, we, we're, we're coming up on uh, well, the, the game against Baylor. Just a couple of in, weeks away. In South Dakota is just a couple of weeks away. Drew, uh, Justin's going to be in the house uh, for that game uh, up in uh, up up in South Dakota, up in the Badlands, and uh, I don't I don't think that's actually what they like uh, that that area. I don't, I don't know if there's a a, a name for the, uh, the the region where is it? It's like the hills or something, right? The something. Yeah, Rocky Raccoon. Yeah, it's <laughs> Gidget's Bible. Yeah. Right, so so the uh, uh, we, we will talk with Justin about Auburn LSU on Saturday night. Justin will be making the trip uh, to Tiger Stadium to uh, to see that one in person as the, uh, the the last year. Yeah, we, so we went from Bruce Springsteen with Badlands to Rocky Raccoon. That's right. We went from Bruce Pearl to, uh, to Bruce, Bruce Springsteen. Springsteen. That's, there, there you go. <laughs> and yeah, and we're, we're going to talk, uh, uh, talk with Justin. In fact, I think, uh, I think Drew's got him on the line right now. I think, yeah, I think we have him ready. <laughs> we're going to bring him in and stop us from this uh, madness that, that we're headed toward. Justin, how you doing today, hey, man? Hey, Justin. Uh, I'm doing well. Sounds like y'all are having a, a fun time over there. That's oh, yeah. Right. I mean, we just got spending, you know, we spent 20 minutes with David and then thought we had a break and it just started playing the music for us. So it told us it was time <laughs> to get the commercial and time to call you in. So how are things going with you? Yeah, uh, pretty good. I mean, it's been a busy day, obviously getting ready for LSU trip this weekend, but Auburn basketball pro day, got to see a scrimmage. And it's one of the few times where we can, you know, actually talk and and keep track of kind of some stats and stuff like that about what we see in practice. So it was a good day. Bill yeah. knows Bill knows his way around Baton Rouge. Before we get into the football breakdown, there is there is something you're you're riding with the you're riding with the kids tomorrow, and there's and there's something they want to do in Baton Rouge, right? You want you want you want to yeah um, no oh yeah they're definitely wanting to eat, wanting to eat and you know have a have a good time down in Baton Rouge. We got I got a we got a spot that we've got scoped out. Elsie's uh, down in down in Baton Rouge. It's going to be 
that's going to be our meal if we can get down there and and you know the line's not too crazy tomorrow what's, up, night. what's so, something the first to, what's something the first timer in baton rouge has to eat bill like if you've never been to baton rouge before you've mm. never been very often well i always I always defer to tex yeah. since he since he lives oh, yeah. there i mean so uh Tech, tech you know, you know the state, though. You know Louisiana. Well, I know, you know, I know. But I mean, it's I, crawfish. I, I'm just, I just sort of go along for the ride when, okay. when the, when the experts, you know, just, just sort of. Well, Justin, guide you, me. you, you've made this trip uh, multiple times, so you might need to be the expert for, uh, uh, for, for, for this band of, uh, of, of young beat writers. And, uh, and Auburn LSU has been, it's been a fun one, right? Like you're, you're of the age where this has been a yearly thing. You know, really, since uh, pretty since, much your life, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. just, yeah. I'm I'm right there with you. You know, it's, I can I I barely well, you're remember. Not that young. No, but I barely remember pre division. Yeah, you like that is true. Like, I mean, that that's that's no. it's it's a little bit before my time. You were so. you were a toddler. Yeah, you were toddling back then. <laughs> I was toddling back then. I'm still toddling, but uh, no, you're teetering. That's not <laughs> that's, that's right. And, and so, but but this has been a yearly thing, and uh, it it seems like this could be the. Uh, uh, could be the end of that, uh, and uh, and and yeah, it's been it's it's been a special one, right, Justin? Yeah, it has, and it it, it, it it's not great to me that it's going away because I think like if you know we were talking about like a three six six format for scheduling, it's not the easiest in the world, obviously. But I mean, LSU's been the third rival. I mean, I know we talked about this in our podcast that came out this morning, but like I think if you're a generation older than me, uh, and and you know maybe the next couple of generations, like it's Florida, like oh, Auburn always played Florida, the Amen Corner. You know, Auburn's had some big wins against Florida uh, in my lifetime and some, and some really good games against Florida, but not very many. Meanwhile, the LSU series has just been, I mean, moment after moment after moment um, and crazy games. And, and you were pointing out um, you know, earlier, was it like, I think it's like seven of the last eight uh, Auburn-LSU games have been decided by a single possession. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's just a game that, you know, a lot of crazy stuff happens, but it's usually really competitive. It's usually super hard hitting and fast. It's like, it's, it's quintessential SEC football to me. And so it's, it's, it's tough that it's going away, um, at least on an annual basis. And, you know, I, I, I will definitely miss it because uh, it is, it is one of my favorite games every year. I love it when, love, I love going down to Baton Rouge. It's my favorite trip every, every time I get to do it. I think Tiger Stadium at night's the best atmosphere in college football. And when LSU comes up to Auburn, it's always a good time as well. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to miss it for sure. Now, quite the challenge for Auburn to try to keep this one as close as most oh, yeah. of those other ball games have been just because uh, um, Auburn, Auburn can't afford to just get into a wild shootout. No, they can't. And, and, you know, Auburn would love to play a really good offensive game. And LSU's defense has struggled. I mean, they have been really bad the last few weeks. Um, towards the bottom of the country, in pretty much every statistic, big play-wise, especially passing game-wise, they're searching for answers. And um, you know, I thought it was interesting when I asked for, uh, uh, Hugh Freeze earlier this week, hey, what, you know, what, what do you think about this LSU defense? And he mentioned a few players that really pop out to him. Those guys are near the line of scrimmage, uh, Mason Smith, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Harold Perkins, some others. For Auburn, you know, you got to come into this game and say, hey, this team is just giving up passing yards to everybody. What did you learn in the off week? What did you figure out in the off week? And, and give – you know, I'm not saying Auburn's got to go down there and throw for 300, but throw enough that you feel like you can be able to run the ball comfortably against a team like LSU. Because if you don't, they're still very talented enough. They'll just stack the box and, and make life really difficult on you. Yeah, Makai um, Wingo's so, a pretty talented guy too. I mean, it it is yeah. it, it it is a situation where um, it's hard to hard to imagine that a Hugh Freeze team with this much time isn't going to figure a little something out. They're going to need to throw the ball 
for not just over 100. They're going to need to throw the ball for, I think, closer to 200, well, we at a, least 150. Absolutely. We had, yeah. we had a caller, Justin, pointing out, and, and it's, it's it does feel like a very long time ago, but the Auburn-LSU game last year at Jordan-Hare Stadium, uh, Robbie Ashford had a 300-plus yard uh, performance through the air. Most of that was in Auburn's first couple of drives. Auburn jumped out to a 17-0 lead, mm-hmm. did not score in the second half of that game but Auburn was able to get big plays and it was what's interesting about that is that a couple of the receivers who made plays are still on the team Javarius Johnson yep. had a 50 yarder Camden Brown had a touchdown Camden that Brown touchdown game uh, yeah. Jar- yeah Jarquez Hunter had a had a long touchdown or had a long uh had a long catch uh from Robbie a long catch and run so you do wonder if if maybe some of these skill position players who have uh, who have struggled uh, to date uh, this season, uh, if if they can uh, if they can find some momentum between the bye week and LSU, absolutely. What did you figure out if if you're Auburn, you know, and 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 Freeze thought about it this week. Find the stuff that you that you know you can run. If you can't run it, if you're not talented enough to run it right now, throw it out. Let's let's key in on what what works and then and lean on it. Because yeah, I think you're going to want to run the ball this game. You're going to want to work the clock, keep it, maintain possession, win the time of possession battle. But I think that only happens, like Bill said, with you know a good passing game. I'm not saying they got to go in there throw for a million yards, but they need to do a much better job than they have been recently. And this LSU defense has just been giving up chunks to pretty much everybody. Mississippi State struggled against them, um, and for Auburn, you got to avoid kind of what Mississippi State did in that game. Uh, but Arkansas, uh, Ole Miss, um, you know Missouri last week, they just got whatever they wanted through the air. And so, and because of that, they're able to run the ball pretty effectively as well. Um, really high yards per carry uh, average against them. So, yeah, for Auburn, it's just, you know, what did you learn from the off week? Can you find some answers and see if Peyton Thorne, like Peyton Thorne played better, took a step forward in some respects against Georgia. I think if some of those receivers would have come down with a few of those, few of those balls that were incomplete, you know, you're looking at a much better game for for Auburn, but you know, you got to be able to build on it uh, because you're going to need to help this this defense out as much as possible because this this LSU offense is as good as I've seen since the Joe Burrow team. I think when it comes to just a, an SEC offense that Auburn's had to face. Oh, I I agree. I mean, they are a scary, scary offense. The key, uh, the the biggest question for Auburn has been, you know, how healthy are they? I mean, Jalen Simpson needs to be as you know uh, as close to 100 percent as possible. Um, boy, this is a game you wish you had Keontae Scott and obviously, obviously, uh, um, you know, Austin Keys, but I mean, I think especially Keontae Scott against, against this LSU pass attack. Yeah. And I think the big thing for Auburn is just go back to that 2019 LSU game when Auburn did the best job anybody did all Mm -hmm. year against that Joe Burrow team. Go back and look at the numbers of that game. LSU got 503 yards in that game, but only, you know, 20-something points. And the big key there was that Auburn made plays. They made big plays. They got turnovers. They got fourth down stops. They got they got off the field sometimes on third downs. They forced LSU to kick field goals. You got to do that in this game. LSU is going to be able to move the ball between the 20s. And I think a big thing there is keep everything in front of you if you're Auburn. Um, you know, the worst thing in the world you can do is let LSU get a four or five play touchdown drive. You know, make them earn everything they get. And if you can lock down in the red zone or first force a turnover or something like that, or you know, force a field goal attempt, that's a win. That is a huge win for Auburn in this game. Auburn's got a really good red zone defense this year. We have seen LSU kind of stall out from time to time in the uh, in the red zone. Uh, but man, I mean, they just they just score at will 
uh, when things are clicking, they got you know big play guys all over the field. It's funny, Jaden Daniels is running and throwing you know as well as anybody in the country right now. They got those elite receivers outside. Mm-hmm. They got a running back transfer from Notre Dame who is averaging six yards a carry. Like you know, this is a team that is that is really dangerous, really multifaceted. And so for Auburn, it's just avoid the big mistake, keep everything in front of you. And I think in this game. When you look at Auburn, what they've done well so far this season on defense, which is forcing turnovers and getting some stops in the red zone, they're going to have to do that in this game against LSU um, because that's what's going to keep them around. That's what's going to keep them hanging, hanging in there. Yeah, I wonder the approach Auburn takes defensively. We were talking about the stuff that worked for Auburn against that Joe Burrow offense in, uh, in, in 2019. One of the big differences, Bill, is that Auburn had Derrick Brown in 2019 and that allowed them to yeah take some yeah more. You, you're you, right you, you the 317 yeah you could run a 317 defense with Derek brown basically taking the job of two defensive linemen along the front and giving you some more flexibility in the back i mean i i do you know we were kicking it around before the show yesterday bill you know, just, justin and i i mean maybe without uh, without nasilakite maybe auburn's best defense could be a 317 with with uh but but you're you're yeah then, then you're sort of conceding and logan diggs who you're talking about mm-hmm. there running back i mean they're they're relying on him more and more every week and that's making their offense scarier and scarier in my and, mind and daniels is a great design runner much better than yep. what joe burrow was four years ago no it, it, it's not a there's not a solution to lsu's offense that doesn't create some problems unless you just have sure. the kind of skill that you know well, it, it's it's about you know sort of sort of basic football stuff you know can you get pressure yeah. with your with your front four can your secondary hold up against well, I don't know I don't know how much we've talked about Malik Neighbors in in this segment yeah. of this week Whew. but like he's yeah I, I heard people sounding like Auburn fans wondering how does he get so open well for one of the reasons is that uh, Jaden Daniels can avoid pressure and run around yep. looking yeah. And nobody's going to cover a receiver, especially I've, one as good as Malik Neighbors, for seven hey, or eight seconds. I've given hey, up. Yeah, go, go ahead, Justin. Yeah, and Bill, uh, here's a stat that's, that I found really fascinating from this game. Jaden Daniels, a couple things about him. Um, he's tall um, and, and, you know, can see everything, can, can really keep plays alive. Um, he does a really good job of just, you know, keeping, keeping stuff going. Uh, I looked uh, last night. I think Jaden Daniels is averaging. Like, I think his completion percentage against the blitz this year is like eighty-five percent. So, like when you send extra guys yeah. to him, he finds he knows where to go with the football because he's played so much and he you can see the field. He's so big. It's just like for Auburn, it's like yeah, like you you got to keep everything in front of you because if you gamble and you blitz and you and you risk it, you can do it from time to time, but you don't want to you don't want to like fall in love with it because he's the guy who can kind of you know break something out or. Um, just find, hey, well, you blitzed here. That means somebody's not there. I'm going to throw it to one of my elite receivers and, and let them go to work. There's no, there's no tricks that work against Jaden Daniels. And one of the reasons for that, Bill, as I mentioned on the, the podcast, Saturday night will be his 50th career start as a college football mm. quarterback between Arizona State and LSU. It's amazing I, that somebody as talented as him is getting his 50th start. I, I, wonder, how yeah. many, I wonder yeah. how many times in school history Justin tossed out Aaron Murray I wonder how many times Auburn has ever faced a quarterback with 50 career starts to his name. Can't be many as, as no, a college football no, you're quarterback. Right. I feel like it's got to be on a pretty short short list. And and he's uh, he's yeah he is he is just uh, he's sensational. Well, the other thing is if you blitz him and there's a hole up the middle, he doesn't run so much when he he moves um, east west to yeah. to find receivers. When he runs, he generally isn't doing it outside. 
he'll just go right up the middle. And if your mm-hmm. linebacker's not there, he's running past defensive backs who are running the uh, running to, the same direction. To neighbors, to na- like I, I've given up on trying to figure out which college quarterbacks are going to be good NFL quarterbacks because it feels like it's a it's it's a it's a tough that's a tough projection. I I feel like at receiver you can tell with the best guys still and and Malik Neighbors feels like LSU just, continues to have yeah them, I don't mean they? it was I mean Ellis the two best receivers in the NFL right now are yeah, probably are, are probably Jefferson and Chase and they're they're two I mean Tyree kills in the list they're on the same team yeah <laughs> they were yeah they're on the same team in 2019 so uh, yeah th- this is a uh, it, it's an offense that I mean it's 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 challenging for an Auburn defense that has you know some players that are up for that challenge but. It, it's going to be uh, it, it's going to be a real, real tough one Saturday night. No question about it, uh, Justin. Can you stick with us? I want to get your thoughts on uh, what you saw over at the arena today. Yeah, absolutely. All right, good deal. We will uh, we'll be back. Hey, um, stick with us as we continue here on the Thursday Drive. Inspired by the book. with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 106.7 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334-321-1390, toll free at 888-382-7502, or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com. I'm walking. Uh, welcome back in. Final few minutes of the drive. Bill and Dan here in the studio. Justin Ferguson from the Auburn Observer with us on the phone. Uh, Justin was over at Neville Arena today. Pro day and a brief scrimmage. I had to leave just as the scrimmage was getting started. Of course, I turned around and had to go back because the phone had fallen out of my pocket there. But um, just tell us your thoughts from what you saw today, Justin, over at uh, Neville. Yeah, solid day for for Auburn in a lot of areas. Um, You know, I thought – the thing that stood out to me is Janai Broom had a great game. They played two 10-minute periods, so you got 20 minutes of action. Janai Broom, um, you know, had uh, went three of four from deep. He hit his first three threes uh, out there, looked really confident pulling the trigger from out there, um, and then had 10 boards as well on top of it. So he had a double-double in, in 20 minutes, did a really, really good job of, uh, of making plays. Chad Baker-Mazzara had a great day as well. Uh, very efficient from the field, um, made made several plays, um, shooting the ball, crashing the boards. He he played effectively. And then Denver Jones, uh, I thought Denver Jones had a standout performance. His shot is so pure. Mm-hmm. I mean, a few of the jumpers that he hit were just as perfect as could be. Um, and, you know, I thought, you know, those three guys really, really stood out. Um, your young point guards, Trey Donaldson and, and Aiden Holloway, not great shooting performances, but I thought they did a good job of running the offense, you know, avoiding turnovers. Auburn had a Really bad tur- turnover problem in the first period. Second period, they tightened it up a ton. Took the assisted turnover ratio in the se- in the second half, quote unquote, of that of that scrimmage was six to one. So they did a really good job of of kind of slowing it down there. Um, but you know, some of the newcomers making some impact plays, um, and then obviously Denai Broom coming off of you know that NBA uh, scouting you know combine thing he already went through. Uh, pro day in front of a ton of scouts he, he did an excellent job and, and looked you know looked like a guy that is really playing with a lot of confidence and, and a more well-rounded game than we saw him play with last season just watching before the scrimmage I mean he looked so comfortable shooting the three now yeah absolutely and you know Bruce said it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing because you know uh, every time he shoots a three and he misses it well that means he's not down there to rebound mm-hmm. it um, which is is something that you got to kind of balance out but I mean Three of four, and I mean his his fourth that he that he shot just rimmed out. I mean he he had 
looked very, very comfortable, very, very fluid, uh, making a ton of plays on the boards, a lot of hustle rebounds. Um, he really went after it. He was by far the best player out there on the floor in the scrimmage. And, um, you know, no surprise, a guy that's playing with a lot of confidence coming off of what, what summer he had where he got a lot of good feedback from the NBA. All right, Justin, uh, we're running a little short on time. I mean, just let everybody know. I mean, with everything that's going on, you've got a ton that you'll be putting out there for everybody at the Observer. Yeah, we've got uh, several uh, stories this week previewing Auburn LSU. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to have a breakdown of everything that we, we saw in the scrimmage today on Pro Day. Uh, Mailbag is going to come out on Saturday. Got a preview podcast with, uh, with, with Dan and Painter uh, that went up this morning, 13 for 13 again. Ton of stuff. I'll be in Baton Rouge this weekend. Have plenty of coverage from there, and we roll on to Ole Miss week. We email everything out to you. It's a perfect time to sign up, AuburnObserver.com. Yep, and, and Tex, uh, have you already forwarded that, the, the info? I have not, I have Te- not Tex, mentioned that. Tex had a little suggestion that he texted it, so uh, Dan, Dan will get that to you as well for when you guys are down yeah. there. Always always taking, always love taking uh, recommendations, especially from the experts like Tex. All right, Justin, you guys have a good trip. All right, thank you, guys. Just about out of time here on the Thursday edition of The Drive.